You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, class, take your seats. I said take your seats. Class, sit. I swear you're all acting like a bunch of animals. Pet Life Radio presents Teacher's Pet, where you'll learn how to understand and communicate with your pet and train them to be the best pet they can be. It's time to see the world from your pet's point of view. So give a tail-wagging welcome to your Teacher's Pet host on PetLifeRadio.com. You may even learn a few tricks yourself. Hi, welcome to Teacher's Pet on Pet Life Radio. This is Pia Silvani, your host and Director of Training and Behavior at St. Hubert's Animal Welfare Center in Madison, New Jersey. For the next couple training sessions, we're going to do something different. Actually, at the request of a few people that emailed me, they're wondering how they can get reliable behaviors from their dogs. A lot of times I know I've been talking about rewards and treats, and the typical comment that I hear is, but he can do it at home. He does really well in my backyard, but then I take him out into public and he doesn't do that well. Or he does okay so long as there are no distractions around. And as you know from listening to past sessions, I talked about working on distractions, but I thought maybe this would help you a little bit more if I got into more detail on what trainers do when they're teaching the average pet owner to get reliability and what we do as trainers to get reliability in our performance or actually not our performance but the dog's performance. So in training session 15 which is today and training session 16 I'm going to talk about getting reliable behaviors and then thereafter what we'll do is we'll try to work on them with our dogs. So Before we begin our training session, what you're going to need is not your dog this time, but a paper and pen so you can take some notes. And again, if you have any questions, don't forget to email me at pia at petliferadio.com. So before we get started, get a paper and pen, sit down, relax, get a cool drink, and we're going to take a short break to hear from our sponsors, and then we'll return with some useful information. Okay, class, grab your tuna flakes, biscuits, and bones. Teacher's Pet will be back in two shakes of a tail, right after recess. Give your dog some thought with Dog Thoughts. It's the iPhone application that everyone's talking about. What do you think of this? A man in Davis, California says he's invented an application for the iPhone that claims it can read your dog's mind. No, it's true. Jay Leno talked about it, CBS reported on it, and now you can see what all the buzz is about. Created just for dog lovers, Dog Thoughts makes taking photos of your furry best friend more fun. Shake your dog and read his mind. On your iPhone, of course. Take a pic of your pup, shake your phone, and watch as his thoughts appear on the screen. Does he have a bone to pick with you, or is he having a tail-wagging day? Get your Dog Thoughts iPhone app today. Just 99 cents. Go to PetLifeRadioPromotions.com. That's PetLifeRadioPromotions.com. 
It's time for school for you and your friends, your furry best friends. Train your dog the fun and easy way with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Teacher's Pet host Pia Silvani teaches you step-by-step how to train your dog the fun and easy way. You get eight 30-minute live audio training sessions, complete transcripts of each session, plus a basic training manual to get you and your dog off to a great start. Training begins the moment you bring your dog home. Teacher's Pet Sessions offers positive reinforcement training to shape your dog's behavior and encourages upbeat, enthusiastic responses to ensure that your dog will enjoy learning. Teacher's Pet Sessions dog training is fun at both ends of the leash. So listen, learn, and laugh with your dog with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Get your copy of Teacher's Pet Sessions Volume 1 today. To order, go to teacherspetsessions.com. Hi, this is Pia Salvani, your host. Bring your dog, tug toy, and treats, and get ready to have some fun. Teacherspetsessions.com. Fasten your seatbelts, put your seatbags and sleeping pets in their full upright position, and prepare for takeoff. Pet Life Radio presents Travel Tales, the show where you'll get great travel ideas on perfect places for you and your pet. From Paris to paradise, south of the border to the South Seas, Travel Tales will give you cool tips on fun vacation destinations to travel with your pet, pet-friendly hotels, and advice on how to travel safely and happily with your furry best friends. So, get ready to pack the bags and the bones with your Travel Tales hosts, Susan Sims and Nicholas Veslowski, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, class, hang up your collars and leashes. Teacher's Pet is back in session. Now park yourselves on the floor. I said park, not bark. Okay, Teacher's Pet. Pay attention, there may be a quiz later. Hi, welcome back. This is Pia Silvani, host of Teacher's Pet on Pet Life Radio. Thanks for joining us. Uh, As I went over earlier, we're going to talk about getting reliable behaviors. And what I do is I've actually lectured about this around the country to dog trainers, and I call it getting behaviors, how, when, why, and keeping them strong. So this might help you, and I want to give you many alternatives that you can use in case you get stuck. So remember, there's not one particular method that trainers use to train their dogs. There are many different ways to get dogs to be reliable when you're teaching them behaviors. However, as you've probably figured out, the method that I like is positive reinforcement training. So that's what we're going to talk about. Again, it doesn't mean that we can't punish or correct the dog once the dog has an understanding, but that's not a way to obtain behaviors. Dr. Pamela Reed has a great line she said one time when she was talking about learning and performance. She said, quote, learning can occur even if you don't see a change in behavior, but until you do, you won't know that learning has occurred. So I really like that line because it makes so much sense. So when we think about learning and performance with your dogs, when your dog is experiencing what we call a competing motivation, 
the behavior that your dog is displaying is going to depend upon which motivation is stronger at that given time. So, for example, let's take you're outside, you're training your dog, and it's a hot summer afternoon, and maybe your dog doesn't particularly like heat, or he's starting to get hot, or let's say you're training in the city, and the pavement is starting to get hot, and all of a sudden the dog steps into a puddle, or the dog walks by an air-conditioned building where he can feel the air conditioning, and you tell the dog to sit. Dogs have brains. They use them for a reason. So now we have a competing motivation. You say sit, the dog doesn't sit. What we have here is hot dog, hot pavement. You've told the dog to sit, except he's feeling something cool nearby. So I'd much rather sit where there's something cool. So you've always got to keep that in mind. He's not doing it because he's stubborn or because he's angry at you. Maybe there's something else that's much more motivating for him at that particular time. So the key is don't automatically think that your dog is blowing you off, especially when you feel that you've done a pretty good job in training it. So learning and motivation go hand in hand. Without motivation, learning the correct response may not occur. So what you want to do is you want to start off with a really, really good foundation. And the foundation is important. You have to be aware that behaviors can be taught, but are also under the control of your dog's emotional state. What is that state of mind that your dog is in at the particular time? And this is where we say, oh, well, that's easy. The dog does it so well in my backyard or when I'm home. Well, he's probably relaxed in his home. Maybe there are no people around, so he can work very easily. Dogs are great workers in the kitchen. And why do you think that is? Because food is there. They're wonderful at sitting by that cookie jar because that's a good motivator for them. When I'm in front of that cookie jar, I'm motivated to sit because typically my owner will come and give me a cookie. So think about the emotional state. If the dogs are highly aroused, your dog is anxious, your dog is stressed. Let's say that he's got thunder phobia or he's noise sensitive. You might be at the train station and the train just suddenly goes by and you tell him to lie down, he doesn't. He's in an emotional state where he's unable to respond. So think about it yourself, maybe. For example, say you're flying in an airplane and you hit heavy turbulence and you're reading a book and it's a good book and you're thinking, I'm not liking this turbulence. This is really getting a little out of hand. It doesn't feel like your typical turbulence, but you continue to read, you keep reading. And you finally fly out of the turbulence maybe five minutes later. And then you continue to read and you relax. And all of a sudden you think, hmm, who's that character in that book? I don't recall that book and I don't remember reading 20 pages. So if it can have an effect on us and our ability to learn and focus, it can certainly have an effect on the dog as well. So definitely be aware of not only any competing motivation, but what the emotional state of the dog is in. I always say you want to keep the dog under his comfortable threshold. Where is he when he's comfortable? What does he like at home when he's enjoying himself? That's sort of where you want it. As dogs get better, as they start to learn better, they can then deal with lots more distractions and they're able to learn in environments that 
that might have more distractions than you thought. Okay, so again, the key is looking at the dog, okay, knowing what his emotional state is, and anything that might be competing. So when we talk about positive reinforcement training, what we want to talk about is the dog is learning some type of a cue that you're giving him that's followed by a behavior that's followed by a consequence. So we call this the ABCs of learning. So it's the antecedent or the cue, that's the A. So let's say sit, you say sit. The dog then performs a behavior, dog sits. The consequence that follows is a reward. So let's go back again. Let's think about dogs, you say sit, you've given the cue, the dog does not sit. The dog does not get a reward. Okay, so it's all about the consequence. So if the consequence is something pleasant, the behavior is going to be more apt to be repeated. If the consequence is unpleasant, and this is unpleasant for the dog, the behavior is going to be less apt to occur again. So that's important to remember. When people say to me, why does my dog keep stealing my, my shoes? Or why does the dog keep jumping up on the counter? Well, he probably is doing that because somewhere along the line, he's being reinforced for that. So when we reinforce responses or we reinforce behaviors, that could be the environment too, what's happening is the behavior is becoming stronger and stronger. And it's going to raise the probability or the frequency that it's going to happen again. If though, on the other hand, the behavior of the dog is being punished either by you or by the environment. Okay, so the dog jumps up on the counter and say he happens to put his paw on a cookie sheet and the sheet hits the ground and it scares him. Probably won't do that again. What's going to happen is you're going to make the behavior weaker and you're lessening the probability or the frequency that it's going to occur again. So again, reinforcement increases behavior punishment decreases behavior. So if your dog has a high reinforcement of rewards, he's going to be a lot more reliable. If you're trying to get rid of unwanted behaviors, you've somehow got to have the environment or you've got to punish the dog humanely so he's not frightened, but he's going to have to want to avoid it. So in order for behavior to be controlled by positive reinforcement, you must make that behavior occur again or the behavior was not reinforced. So I always say to my clients, well, if you asked your dog to sit, how many times did he sit? They say only once. Well, maybe your reward wasn't good enough, so it's not worth the dog's while to sit again. Why bother? Think about it if you really like lemon meringue pie, for example. And lemon meringue pie is going to be a lot more motivating to you after having a piece of broiled fish than maybe after eating a Thanksgiving dinner. So you sort of have to think about that as well. Are you training your dog right after he ate breakfast? He might not be that motivated. Maybe your dog doesn't like to be out in the rain. So now he's not real motivated to do what you want. So you need to encourage your dog to perform the behavior and reward the dog with whatever your dog likes. So let's talk a little bit about environmental training then. So let's just say your dog sleeps on the bed on a cold winter night and it's soft and warm. He's going to probably be more apt to want to jump up on the bed because it's soft and warm. 
that behavior is reinforced. Your dog jumps up on the counter and he randomly gets food. That behavior is going to be powerful because random reinforcement really increases behavior. It's sort of like a slot machine effect. You want to keep trying. One other example, maybe your dog sits next to your child's high chair and the child tosses food for him. Oh my goodness, why wouldn't your dog then sit there? So this is what you want to think about. What's reinforcing to him? Who is reinforcing or what is reinforcing the dog for the behavior? And if he continues to do it, it's being reinforced. So what I'd like to do now is just take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. And we'll be back and we can talk about the stages of learning. So don't go away. Okay, class, grab your tuna flakes, biscuits, and bones. Teacher's pet will be back in two shakes of a tail, right after recess. Greetings, human. What planet am I on? Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet Magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. Pet Planet Magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes. And it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24-7 on the Internet at PetPlanetMagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in Paparazzi, Candid Pictures of You and Your Pet. For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination. I shall take this magazine home with me. Back to your home planet? No, to my condo in Boca. Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world. That's it. You're madder than a junkyard dog, and you're not going to take it anymore. Your feathers are ruffled, your dander is up, and you've got a definite bone to pick. Join us each week on Pet Peeves, the show that lets you dig through the dirt and unleash your passion for pets. Your host, pet expert and award-winning author, Amy Shojai, will talk about what makes you howl and what hisses you off. Pet Peeves, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, class, hang up your collars and leashes. Teacher's Pet is back in session. Now park yourselves on the floor. I said park, not bark. Okay, Teacher's Pet. Pay attention. There may be a quiz later. Hi, welcome back. This is Pia, your host, We were talking about how dogs learn and what's reinforcing to them. So what I'd like to talk about next are the stages of learning. We have two stages of learning. The first is what we call the acquisition stage, and the second is the maintenance stage. The acquisition stage means the dog is learning something brand new. So to learn anything new, the dog must gradually learn it. 
So think about yourself, maybe if you're learning to play an instrument or skiing could be another example. You don't start off skiing down the black diamond slope. You start off on the bunny slope and you probably fall 20 times or even more down that bunny slope, but you don't all of a sudden become this expert skier. If you're learning to play the piano, okay, you're not going to all of a sudden play a concerto. You're going to start off a few keys at a time. And that's how dogs learn too. It's got to be gradually acquired. Now, some of the problems, however, with dogs during that acquisition stage, I'm going to name a few of these and they might be familiar to you. So be aware of them. And I think if you're aware of them, it's going to help you become a better trainer. First, the dog might be confused and then is labeled stubborn. I don't feel that dogs are stubborn. It's something that I never felt. I think they lack motivation, but I don't think that they're stubborn, especially with reward-based training. If they're motivated by what they're getting, why would they not want to do it? So think about that too. The dog might just be confused. Secondly, are you inconsistent? So maybe the dog really doesn't understand what is expected of him. Maybe one person is saying, sit, and somebody else says, sit down. And the next family member says, oh, come on, buddy, sit. You know, sit, sit down. Now we've got a whole conversation going on when the dog has just learned one word equals one behavior. Next, maybe you're rewarding anything and everything. So maybe let's go back to sit. You tell the dog to sit and he sits quickly and you tell yes and you reward. And the next time you tell the dog to sit and he starts to sniff the ground a little bit and eventually he sits and you reward him. And then maybe the third time you tell him to sit and he looks around, he looks again, you repeat sit and then he sits and then you reward him. And that's what I call rewarding anything and everything. You're not consistent. Next, um, maybe you've become treat dependent. The dog doesn't do it, so you pull a treat out because you know that works. That's bribing. So that's the key factor, the difference between rewards and bribes. You tell the dog to do something, he looks at you, you pull a treat out as if to say, please, and the dog says, aha, okay, what I'm going to do now is I'll just wait for her to pull the treat out and then I'll do it because now it's a guarantee. You've got to keep them hoping and guessing. And lastly, maybe you don't understand when and how to use the behavior in real life. So that's an important aspect of it. Now with the maintenance stage, dogs do not always know the behavior. It's unrealistic to expect the dog to perform the behavior correctly 100% of the time. So I tell my clients, just because he knows it, he doesn't always know it. And a good example of that is, we know not to speed, but I'd like to hear one person out there say, no, I never go over the speed limit. We know not to speed, but we we speed. So dogs may know the behavior, but they don't always perform it perfectly or correctly. And again, part of the problem could be competing motivations. Maybe it's hot. Maybe they're fatigued. Maybe they missed a signal. Maybe they really didn't hear what you had to say. Maybe they were just too distracted. Now, problems during the maintenance stage. Drilling. You don't want to bore your dog. If you're going to practice your behaviors, make sure that you are saying them just a few times. If I work my dogs and I have a new dog, her name is Lena, and she's actually Lance's granddaughter. She's a year old and I've just had her for three months. 
So she's right in the middle of adolescence and she's learning everything new. So I'm not going to drill her by doing five, ten sits in a row. She's going to be bored to tears. So I might throw in right before the frisbee, I tell her to sit. Right before she goes outside, I might tell her to sit. And then I might reward her. And sometimes I'll just tell her to sit and then pet her um, before I pet her. So it's random throughout the day versus just going out and drilling the dog. Next, do you have unrealistic expectations? Are you expecting the dog to remember in session number 14, you taught your dogs to heal? Are you expecting your dog now, you've been healing him in the backyard, are you now expecting him to heal during a a parade, the Rose Bowl parade or the Macy's Day parade? That's too difficult. To me, that's an unrealistic expectation. Next, incremental steps are lost. Maybe you're moving too quickly. I find that so many people say you have 10 steps. I find a lot of people, what they do is they take step one, step two, step three, step six, and they jump to six. Don't move too fast. You're so much better to move backwards. You are not a failure in your training if you step backwards. Next, cold turkey. Do you all of a sudden say, oh, he knows it. I'm not going to give him any treats anymore. I'm not going to reward him anymore. Well, that would be like going to work and saying, oh, you know your job, no more paycheck, sorry. Where's the motivation then to go to work? Dogs are working, they're working for you. They shouldn't just have to listen because you said so. That's an old way of thinking. Why not reward them so they're motivated to listen? Be unpredictable too. Make sure that you are not bribing and that the dog really, really never knows when he's going to get a reward. So you don't have to give the reward every single time. Now, what you could do, let's, for example, let's say you tell the dog to down and you really like it. He went down quickly and you reward him. And then maybe another time you tell the dog down and this time you might throw a ball for him. You play tug with him. You do something fun. Uh, Maybe the next time you tell him down, you give a nice massage. So he never really knows, but I always save the really, really, really good rewards for when I know the situation might be difficult. I know there are going to be a lot of distractions going on, and I'm not sure if the dog is going to give me 100%. So when I go hiking in the woods, and I know there are going to be deer and squirrels and other wildlife, what I'm going to do is, A, I'm not going to feed my dog his meal before I go, because I want to know that the dog is hungry. B, I'm not going to play with them before I go because I want to make sure that I have my frisbee and my ball with me so I can reward him if he comes off a deer. C, I'm going to make sure that I bring things with me that the dog rarely gets. So I might deprive him of that frisbee for a couple of days and then take that frisbee with me if that's my dog's favorite toy. And might deprive him of his breakfast that day and then go hiking and maybe have steak in my pocket, something the dog rarely gets. So don't waste the good stuff at home. That's really important. So let's go over the six steps of training with positive reinforcement. And we'll start off and what we're going to do then is we'll move on to the individual steps. I'm going to list them. So maybe you want to get your pen and paper ready so you can write them down. And then what I'm going to do, and I won't be able to get this all in today's session, but I will get it into training session number 16. So we'll cover it all. So when we train with positive reinforcement, first, number one, you have to get the behavior by using a particular method. Number two, you're going to mark 
and reinforce the correct response. And as you know from previous sessions, our marker is either a clicker or it's yes. Number three, you're going to bet your bank account that the dog is going to perform the behavior before you add the cue. Remember, you need to pair up a word with a behavior. Four, you're going to add the cue and then get it under stimulus control, which I will talk about. Five, you're going to teach discrimination so you get reliability. And then six, you will generalize the behavior. So I'll go over those one more time just in case you missed any. One, you're going to get the behavior by using a particular method that I'm going to go over. Two, mark and reinforce the correct response that you like. Three, bet your bank account that the dog is going to do it before you add the cue. Four, add the cue, get it under stimulus control. Five, teach discrimination to get reliability. And six, you're going to generalize the behavior. All right, so start off with number one, how to get behavior. There are many different ways to get behavior. The five different ways that you can get behavior, and this is what we're going to do in future training sessions. So I think you'll enjoy this. I did this with a group of trainers recently. Um, I challenged them on it and they love this game. So we'll try to play this game in future training sessions. And again, I will go over these. First, you want to catch or capture the behavior. Another way to get behavior is to prompt it and then you need to fade your prompts. What we've been doing in our training sessions previously is luring the dog. It's another way to do it. You can do some target training or you can shape the behavior by successive approximation. So let's go over the first one and that's catching the behavior. What you do when you catch behaviors, you wait for the dog to do what you want and then you mark and reward it. So you're not asking the dog to do anything specific. The behavior is basically reinforced through repetition. And once the dog is repeating the behavior over and over and over again, then you can put that cue on after the dog is offering the behavior and just prior to the behavior occurring. Now, an example of that is two that I use all the time, bow. So when you think about it, let's think about when that your dog, if you think of a bow, the dog is in the stretched position where his forelegs are down on, on the ground and his rear end is up in the air. So it sort of looks, if you're familiar with a play bow. So if you think, when might a dog be doing that particular behavior? Well, easy. Every morning when he gets up, most dogs will stretch. So when he gets up in the morning, as soon as he's about to go into the position, you know he's going to do it just say bow and then reward it and eventually he'll pair up that word with that behavior and then you can put that on cue another handy one and i like this one a lot is shake easy one very easy get the dog wet and you know he's going to shake it off so this comes in really really handy after a bath how many dogs will not shake in the bathtub or they won't shake in the shower where you bathe them and they wait until they're running around the house and they're shaking all over the place so you have water everywhere i want my dogs to be able to shake before they get out of the bathtub or the shower so the majority of the water is coming off there and not all over the walls so if your dog swims, for example, that could be another time. As soon as he gets out of the water and he's just about to do that shake, 
put the cue on, and then reward them for it. Then you'll be able to get the dog to shake on cue. And you can do anything. Just look at your dog and think of anything funny that your dog might do. Lance, for example, he does what we call the submissive grin, where he sort of shows his teeth, and he does that when, when he's feeling real submissive. It's something that Belgians do quite a bit of. So what I did was, every time he showed me that submissive grin, I called it nasty. So I can say to him, are you nasty? Are you nasty? And he shows all his teeth. So people like that. So that's one way that you can get the behavior and a practical way. For example, some people say, I cannot lure my dog into a down. He just won't go down with the lure reward method. Well, he will eventually go down because obviously I'm sure he's not sleeping standing up. So what you can do is you can capture it by any time that you know the dog is just about to lie down, say down and reward it. So maybe also for little dogs, if you own a little dog, if you own a short-coated dog, maybe, again, back to competing motivations, maybe they don't like to go down where it's cold if the grass is wet, but they go down very easily on a soft, cushy bed, or they might go down easier if on a mat. So you might want to start training it there. Just wait for the dog to offer it, and then you can reward it. Okay. Unfortunately, we're out of time for this session. So what we're going to do is we're going to work on the next training session number 16 in two weeks. And I'll continue on with this, how to get reliable behaviors, how to get them and make them reliable at that particular session. So I want to give a special thanks. Make sure that you're taking a look. If you missed any of the previous segments, please make sure that you're taking a look at them, review them over and again. If you have any questions whatsoever, please email me at pia at petliferadio.com. So again, a special thanks to our producers for making the show happen. So until next time, this is Pia signing off and thank you for your interest in Pet Life Radio. Take care. Schools in session on Pet Life Radio with Teacher's Pet. Learn how to communicate with your pet, train your pet, and see the world from your pet's point of view. You may even learn a few tricks yourself. Teacher's Pet, only on PetLifeRadio.com.